want. One, welcome back, guys, to another episode of The Raven's Watch. I am your host, David Lee Corbo, a.k.a. The Raven, and I am joined today by Chaney. Chaney, can you please tell the wonderful people uh, what it is that you do and where they can find you? I uh, have a conspirituality infotainment podcast, and so I like to dissect words. My season one I like to sit down with people and kind of dissect them. And if people were brave enough to go there and answer my questions, I found that I went through like shadow work and trauma healing from each of my interviews. And so uh, it was kind of an interesting journey that led led me up to season two of Project Cheney, where I'm trying to delve into these topics that people think are complete psyops or not real at all and just sit with somebody that's actually really educated on the idea and, you know, like Adrenochrome or like Alistair Crowley and get different perspectives on these things of people that have actually done the research instead of it just being one word we flippantly hear about through the zeitgeist. And uh, my newest project that I'm really stoked about is um, the Secret Society of Good Guys every Friday night at midnight on YouTube. And it will probably go other places eventually, but we just break down one word at a time. And so it's just like old school philosophy circle where we all know about the word a couple days ahead of time. We hang out with our audience live and allow them to chime in. And I try to post their stuff down below or their questions or their comments or their, you know, usually your audience is brilliant. And uh, so it's like a live philosophy hangout room on Fridays. And I'm sure if you want to sometime, if you're ever up late nights, I'll invite you to come hang. That's very cool. It, you know, in this space uh, of this sort of, um, what was the term you used? It was a combination of conspiracy and spiritual? Um, conspirituality. I like that. So in this uh, realm of conspirituality content creators, um, a lot of us are often trying to find like, What's the angle? What can I bring of value to the audience that maybe hasn't been done? Or what's a unique take that I can offer? And so it's a really cool thing what you're doing, breaking down sort of the etymology of a word and having that be the main focus. I did see uh, your recent post about it and I was like, wow, that's so cool. And I was like impressed by that. And then I was also impressed by the fact that you can stay up to midnight uh, <laughs> because that is like that is a realm that I haven't been able to access yet. I'm like I'm asleep by like nine nine thirty every night. I'm not a late night person, um, although it seems that all the fun is to be had after I go to sleep. And so I'm trying to adjust accordingly. I want to be a cool guy that stays up late. Um, and so slowly but surely I'll get there. But while you were just talking, um, you mentioned a couple of things that I know we're going to end up touching on today uh, in the sense of adrenochrome. Uh, Crowley is definitely something that comes up on this show often. But you and I spoke before the show about the nature of what this episode is going to be about. And uh, I think that I would love to expose the audience to this entire realm of, uh, I believe you called it, esoteric Hollywood. Mm -hmm. and I think that that is an apt uh, uh, description of what it is that we're going to talk about today. And we're going to go into Isaac Cappy, the Tom Hanks situation, 
Um, for those of you that are familiar with this sort of thing, spirit cooking with Marina Abramovich, how these um, elites, especially in Hollywood and the music industry, seem to cross over in a really um, distasteful way <laughs> with uh, the dark arts side of the occult, right? So we all know that occult just means hidden. It doesn't necessarily have to mean negative. However, there are certainly negative aspects to the occult. Like any topic, there's two sides to the coin. And so I look forward to uh, discussing that with you today. Um, I'm trying to think where a good place to start would be. And I kind of think that we should start to lay out, Cheney, uh, who Marina Abramovich is and sort of what she is involved with. Because from where I sit, um, she is sort of the embodiment of a modern day dark arts witch almost, right? And uh, she often goes under the guise of artistic expression, which is amazing, the sort of things that you can push to the public as long as you label them uh, artistic expression. So, Cheney, would you mind kind of filling in uh, myself in the audience? What do you know about Marina and the role that she is playing as of lately with all of our favorite um, Hollywood characters or music industry characters? Okay, I have to start by saying I know a lot about a lot of people, but I'm not the like Marina Abramovich expert. I know people that, and I don't have anything open in front of me. Um, <laughs> I usually just will have the conversation and just be like, okay, let, let's see what I can pull out of my ADD, like crazy brain. But um, I am a pop culture junkie. I call it church of Hollywood and I hashtag it. I'm trying to remember more. I used to have an account called conspiracy chicken when I was uh, anon for years and years and years. And I would just put out stuff that I saw fit because I didn't think it was important that people knew who I was. And it kind of made them more open-minded to these big ideas that I had. So everyone, we are doing a spell right now. Magic is real and it exists in this realm and the elite just don't want you to know the power you have. So me and you sitting together podcasting is the same as broadcasting. It's the it's all magic. And so people like to think of like Marina of some kind of like she's just doing magic and she's a witch. She's evil. Like it's different. We're all doing magic all the time with our intention and what we're up to and the words we say, the spells that we write, the spelling, the cursive, the curse. It's all these. We always think of curses as bad, but it's just words of these spells. And there's been witch burnings over time. There's been um, Templar huntings over time. There's been genocides throughout cultures over time. And the losers never get to write their history ever. And so we li all live under the winner's history, no matter where you live in the world. And you are either here because the elite, you're elite, which probably you're not listening to this if you're one of the elite. So your family knew how to fight right, um, run right, hide their magic, hide their like you are from a family of survivors. Like you escaped kings, you escaped popes, you escaped like you were from we are all from this. So. Marina back to Hollywood where I think when we sit back and think we're being entertained, we're being entered. 
we're being entered by things that we don't understand the same as alcohol. And I think a lot of the esoteric people that I hang out with, they always think it's fluff when I talk about Hollywood stuff, but it's the biggest spell that goes on in the world. The art scene is such a spell. Music literally has the word muse in it. So uh, when people think that all this stuff is fluff and it's not important, I would um, say that, you know, why people are looking in underbellies of hermeticism and symbolism and religions, Hollywood is the most powerful entity on the whole planet that's dictating what your kids are going to be up to later on. So step in like a Marina Abramovich. <laughs> and if you want to say anything in this, I know that was a long spiel. Well, I think um, that's a great place to start from, right? Um, in recent years, sort of a lot of information has been bubbling to the surface. And one of the things that I found pretty interesting um, was this idea that the Druids would pick a particular wood uh, from a tree called the holly tree in order to cast spells. And so it's no mistake that Hollywood is named such. Um, it is all spell casting. And I know myself when I was younger, I would say one of the main things that brought me to the table in the first place was this overt inundation with heavy symbolism, in particular by the music industry, at least for me, it was the music industry. And then later on, I learned to identify those symbols and find them throughout uh, cinema as well, as far as um, Hollywood is concerned. But um, it's funny that you should say that a lot of people think that it's fluff, because that was very much what I was served up when I was younger, was this idea, and I've said it a few times on my shows, where the excuses I was given for name the artist, uh, go ahead and plug them in. Why does Beyonce, why are her videos inundated with such strange symbolism? Jay-Z, such strange symbolism. Eminem, such strange symbolism. I was a big uh, early 2000s hip hop head and um, I loved music videos. You know, uh, that I was I was part of the dying age of music videos. I don't know if they still make them. I, if they are, I'm not paying attention to them very much. I know Doja Cat just did sort of the homage to Carrie, right? The being drenched in blood. Um, I had the guys from eating flesh, riding on a demon head. <laughs> it's so weird. He That's the even... first song that comes up every single time I go to make a TikTok. It's like, do you want to use this song by Doja Cat? I'm like, no, TikTok, I don't. <laughs> no, but you want me to use this song by Doja Cat, clearly. Um, I had the guys from Reality Zars on and Paranoid American and um, and Nate were talking about um, the origins of, of Lilith and her um, relationship to sort of all these dark entities, you know, lots of people call her the mother of demons or the mother of monsters. And I think that that entire being covered in blood head to toe, like Carrie was in the film, uh, and like so many other artists have depicted themselves in on their album covers and such. And um, Eminem, uh, I think Rihanna also had an album cover where she was covered in blood or at least did a photo op. Um, but these, these symbols are everywhere. You know, uh, the music industry is incredibly esoteric, incredibly occultic. And the going back to it's all fluff, the, the the reason that I was always given was that somehow adding these things to their music just creates a level of almost mystique uh, over an artist. And so it boosts their appeal. And I would often get this notion that um, they're doing this to 
kind of add some mystery and appeal to a larger audience, which didn't make sense to me because for the vast majority of people, these symbols go over their head. So what sort of marketing plan would include spending so much money on set design where nothing is placed by accident? And all of this effort going into capturing a a part of the market that is infinitesimally small. And um, so that just never really jived with me. And over time, after seeing these symbols everywhere, it started to paint a different picture. If you're willing to stop listening to your homies who are dismissing you left and right. What is it that brought you, Chaney, to start to look at these things in a different light um, as far as Hollywood pop culture you mentioned uh, is something that you're very much into. Where where did you cut your teeth when you first started to look around and notice things? I um, <clears throat> I grew up with Inquirer and Star on my table. I'm from Florida. I'm from Palm Beach. So Inquirer was kind of like our press. Like it was like our New York Post or something. It came out at once a week. It was right there, a local publication house. And so there's certain key figures in the movie right now that we're watching on TV that I grew up with in this paparazzi world. And I I have a different theory of the paparazzi. I have a different theory of like Hollywood versus Orlando. But you brought up Paranoid American. He's one of the secret society of good guys that hangs out every Friday night. And uh, one of the reasons I love Thomas so much is he doesn't ever shy away about the pop culture mix with the esoteric. And so we can really geek out on it. Um, But yeah, I love that guy. Uh, So I grew up with those things. And I think 9-11 is a big thing that happens for everyone. But there is a couple of key things I remember, even in my little kid brain, being like, this is sus. The O.J. Simpson trial was a big one. And uh, so 9-11 happens. And at first, I eat the script. Like, that's my normal. I'm playing a video game one day with a dude. And we just happen to be uh, talking about Upon the Pale Horse. And so my brain was already a little mushy. Like, you know, like we had been drinking a couple beers. He's telling me about this book that he read when he was in prison once. And then this other dude came up. We were, you know, we were at a bar playing golden tea. Uh, This other dude came up and he's like, hey, have you ever heard this stuff about 9-11? And it's only like a year afterward, 2002, maybe a year and a half. So it was like my brain was mushy enough to start taking this stuff in. And so then uh, I start eating Alex Jones. I start noticing... Um, like I don't even care about politics yet. Like politics, like, you know, you have these key figures that, you know, like the JFKs or the, like, you know, the ones they let you know about that they put in the movies and the TV shows. And, uh, sometime around, I think that movie W, honestly, it came out and I started realizing they're rewriting our history, like right in front of us, like putting these new movies, like, about George W. Bush, why he's still alive, about Obama, why he's still alive, about Dick Cheney, why he's still alive. Oh, they're telling us right in our face why we're still alive. So we no longer go look at the books. And this isn't how it happened at all. Like they're giving me this whole other feel like, oh, he's just a dopey Southerner. And I'm like, I've looked into too much stuff about 9-11 to think he's a dopey Southerner. So then I started to look further back in my, the movie, I think that was my keystone was Forrest Gump. And it was like, I think, and I'm going to do a dig on this very soon. 
Um, I'm just going to break this whole movie down with how I see it and how much they shove into this. And I think them putting Forrest Gump in all of those old tapes and in old films, it dawned on me that's what they've always been doing to us. Like they'd always been rewriting our history. That wasn't the first time they did it. One of the things they convinced us CGI was expensive. But really, we know the military is 50 years beyond our technology. And we know that the private sector is maybe even 100 years beyond that. So it never was expensive. This was all just there. So then I just started to look into Tom Hanks specifically. I started to dissect everything he did because I already knew about red shoes. So then I'm like the man with one red shoe. Oh, bosom buddies. He's in a dress. I started like putting together all these other things that I started to hear about shaming rituals and like how they put it like truth in plain sight for karma karmic reasons and um, how they even rescue animals for karmic reasons because of stuff they may do to kids. Um, like karma is a big thing for them with how they balance stuff. And then I see um, the uh, what's that movie Castaway. So Castaway comes out and there's this Wilson volleyball and it's like the frazzle drip hand and Lady Gaga's dressed like that. And, and at the Grammys one day, she's dressed in all head to toe. And then, um, you know, you start seeing Dwight Schrute on The Office do stuff. And you start seeing co- cartoons mock this on Adult Swim. And it's like every single thing, because of how much I knew, and I have this really weird auditory memory. And so by how much I was like taking in every like the Boston bombing starts to happen. Sandy Hook happens. Uh, the school shootings, the, um, you know, uh, there was like the Ariana Grande false flag, which then you have Ariana Grande later on. Mac Miller dies. It's like all of these things started to come in together in my head that then I didn't know about es- enough about esoteric. Then I just had to start sitting with people that knew about um, alchemy and, uh, Rosicrucianism. And like, I had grown up in a Masonic family, so I only knew one part of a thing. Uh, so then it was like, I needed to sit with people that knew all these things. I needed to sit with heathens. I needed to really learn my Bible. I really needed to talk to people from the far East. It like became an obsession, uh, for my spirit, but on the way I've had to stop occasionally reground myself, make sure it's like, you know, you always have the shadow work. I always say like your heart and head have to explode for you to get the new container to fill. And so every time that happens for all your chakras and, uh, so yeah, it's always it's just been like a ba- uh, trying to keep a top. I don't like to think of a teeter totter idea of duality. I like to think we're on a balancing top in the center that kind of wobbles and moves. So you have an infinite amount of teeter totters to step on. I don't like the idea of black and white. That's how we have to break their game. They always try to get us to think in black and white. So I'm like, it sounds silly, but I'll say to people, as above, so banana. Because I'm like, we have to think so far. So instead of telling everyone all the time what you know, ask them, ask them what they know. And so it's just like sometimes getting our brains to think like little kid brains, going back to all the movies you brought up, MTV and these videos, MK Ultra TV. It we all grew up on it for a reason. Kennedy, Carson Daly, uh, you pick the VJ, and I'll show you what news channel they're on still telling us the MK Ultra. 
It's like those VJs are all our same newscasters on whether you watch MSNBC, Fox, CNN. It's all not None of it's there to inform you. JFK tried to tell us that. Like it's all fake. And so the news, the Northeast, West, South, is them calling a spell to cast on you. They're newscasting. So it's just like... Uh, all this stuff is so evident to me. And sometimes when I start talking about it, it seems ludicrous, but I've just been looking into it for so long that I watch people wake up quicker and quicker every day that I used to judge them like babies, like when the, all the cute kids got here. I was like, oh, this whole movement's driving me crazy. I'm so anti and I was so blah. And then I realized, wait, I can help them dig. Like we, I always wished more people would be woke up. They're waking up in droves every day. Why am I being such a bastard? Why am I not helpful with this thing? And so um, like I was the original black pill. So it's easy for me to be glittery red pilled now because I was black pilled. Like I can't believe so many people are woke up every day. But now my goal for them is go slow because the it's it's alarm. It's shocking to yourself it's heartbreaking it's mind-bending and um yeah, yeah so you know, anyway i think that that is I, I i i'm sorry to interrupt but you said something there that like i myself am guilty of um having been at this for a while i t i too kind of felt like i don't know uh, <laughs> this is gonna sound stupid but like this is my occult esoteric secret <laughs> yes. i've been ridiculed for years for even entertaining it and now you want some of my esoteric secrets you can't have any and i would like kind of judge people that um came in through QAnon or or people who woke up because of covid and i, I don't feel that way anymore i feel sort of an empathy for people because when i was younger um you were saying about how you have to explode your vessel in order to to destroy that one and grow a new one. And the way you do that is you, you take in information that destroys your original paradigm. And then that way you're, you're open to grow. Um, that's a painful process. And especially in the very beginning, it's, it's overwhelming. And I was blessed to have gone through that at 17 years old, 16 years old, where it didn't matter. It didn't really matter what a crazy kid said. You know, I was just a teenager and, you know, nobody really, took it too seriously. Some of my friends thought it was interesting, but generally I was just dismissed. But now imagine having that happen to you as a 30 year old, a 40 year old, a 50 year old, imagine having a career, a business. Children. A That's always my one. I know a lot of parents that are so hard on themselves because, you know, they vaccinated their kids and they're beating themselves up. And so I always like, and I used to have no empathy for them either. And then I went through a sickness of my own. And then I was like, shit, I had a friend who's so wise beyond her years. And she said, you only can do better if you know better. And so you can't hold guilt for what you didn't know because every young parent or us out there, you, we think in our head, the doctor's there to help us. Like we've been brainwashed to think that we've had our Chicago hopes and our ERs and our Grey's Anatomies. And we've been like the doctor, 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 indoctrinated doctor, indoctrinated. <laughs> like we just, we believe they're there to help us. So, so many people are like, yes, help my baby. Yes, help me. Yes, help my parent. And so we can only do better if we know better. And you can't hold guilt for that anymore. It's not your fault. Like everybody's always like, well, we have free will. 
We only have free will if you have the information. Otherwise, it's a false paradigm. And that is what they're doing to us. They're putting us all in this false fucking paradigm. So we blame ourselves in ways like, well, we just pollute the world. No, we litter. They pollute the world. Like there's these things that we're just taking responsibility for that they do. We don't go to war. They go to war. Like we don't do this shit. They do this shit. They keep trying to convince us even like world war. Think of the marketing. Think of how many wars have existed on our planet. The mongrels were in a world war. Uh, Napoleon was in a world war. Like, come on. It's just like the marketing that you have to have to have the WW, which is just a three, three on its side, um, to have that in your slogan, in your logo. And then it always involves a group of people that we're not allowed to talk about. And I, we're allowed to talk about every other group, but we're not allowed to talk about that group. And so I just think it's absurd and I'm okay to say it now. Like I, we're just in such a broken world that <laughs> my social credit score is so bad. I'm in, I'm going to go to prison or I'm going to fight so that everybody else, the kids underneath me, I'm going to plant trees that I may never feel the shade of because otherwise we're going to internment camps. So you, everybody can black pill if they want to, but I'm like, nah, dog, <laughs> nah, dog, I'll say all the things. So, um, I don't believe the people of any nation are inherently bad. I believe the top of all the nations are probably bad and the top of all the religions are probably bad. I think there's probably truth in every single one of the religions, including the little bullshit cults that people want to get down on. I think there's truth in all of them. Everything has to be 80% true to keep walking people toward it. That's how it works. So it's just your tools of discernment to like separate it all and to say, huh, all the news is telling me about the same thing. All the papers are telling me about the same thing. Every big voice that they allow to be a big voice is all telling me the same thing. Whether it's on X, this new brand we have, all the same people that are allowed to be the big, huge accounts that never lose their accounts. Everybody else gets shadow banned, but they don't. They run the biggest rooms and look at every single night. We're talking about the same rhetoric. Every single night we're talking about the same rhetoric and all the biggest rooms. It's like a script and I'm not running on the script. I'm not doing it. Yeah. But I've been looking at Hollywood long enough to know this part of it. We have to write the movies. We're the creatures who create. Like once you take uh, unplug yourself from source, you have no ability to create anymore. You can't pull on an ether. So it's like. I like what you were saying before about that um, multi-dimensioned teeter-totter. And how it, it is true. There is a black and white aspect to this. They want to lock us into sort of a duality paradigm, right? It's either this or it's that. You're either on that team or this team. You're either this type of person or that type of person. And really everything is so multi-layered that it's just a shame to allow yourself to be restricted by something as uh, as restrictive as a binary. You know, they they serve us up the choices. And then we think that it is choice when it's really only the illusion of it. But you were touching earlier on... Um, you know, we said we mentioned QAnon and the people that woke up during that. And you were mentioning Tom Hanks and Wilson and Lady Gaga. And I think that, um, you know, if you could go back and forth with me a little bit here and we can try to jog our memories about the things that we saw just before COVID happened, the things that we saw at sort of the the height of Q 
QAnon when it was gathering all this momentum. And I was hesitant, but I was also sort of thrilled because in a big way, QAnon multiplied the size of the community exponentially, where we used to just be a couple of people, you know, in a basement kind of talking to one another in, in random messaging boards or what there wasn't very many people in the community and and we certainly weren't as connected as we became during the whole Q phenomenon. Q kicked the door open and bought so many people. And the thing that brought so many people wasn't just the rhetoric. It was like we were seeing some of the strangest things start to happen. Um Isaac Cappy for one coming out and saying all the things that he said about Tom Hanks and we'll we'll rewind and we'll get into that in a minute. Um and of course Tom Hanks posting cryptic photos. Um Ellen DeGeneres was one of the more uh jarring ones where she's during the beginning of the lockdown, she's posting these videos where it looks like she's been crying hysterically, right? Her face is red. She looks exhausted. Her eyes, you know, she looks like she's been crying for a while. And people, she would shoot these videos about how we're going to get through it. And don't worry, everything's going to be okay. It didn't really feel like she was talking to like the American people. In my opinion, Ellen DeGeneres during the beginning of the lockdowns was releasing a lot of what felt like cryptic messaging. And there were images where it seemed like she had an ankle monitor on. And there were images where it seemed like military personnel were who was recording her. You could see their reflections in the glass sliding door behind her. So you start to have this really weird thing where it's like she seems to be speaking cryptically. She's one of the main people wrapped up in this QAnon phenomenon who's being accused of child trafficking and adrenochrome harvesting. Um, she's wearing an ankle monitor. She seems to be under military arrest. In fact, people in the Q community are saying she's under military arrest. So all of these wild things are happening. At the same time, you've got Marina Abramovich running in circles with some of our favorite celebrities. And she's doing spirit cooking events. And we spoke earlier. Um, I don't remember if we were saying, no, I think we said it on air about the things that you can pass off to the public as long as you cover them in the veil of artistic expression. And so under the veil of artistic expression, these spirit cooking events happen where there are sort of the mock cannibalist um, meals that they would have. They would cover uh, nude people in a sort of sauce and they would and this sauce was very reminiscent of blood. It looked like blood. And they would eat this sauce with spoons. And they would all stand around this nude body. Lady Gaga, Marina Abramovich, and, you know, celebrities that range from A-list all the way down to D-list. All of this stuff is happening at the same time. And then, lo and behold, Ellen DeGeneres just kind of goes away. She doesn't have her show anymore. They have a reason, um, and the reason is she's very abrasive and, and very mean to her employees, um, and so she's not allowed to do her show anymore, something of that nature. Uh, even at the same time, I remember Oprah, who was named constantly 
within the community, the Q community, as being one of these cabal members who is harvesting adrenochrome. She's aligned herself with John of God. John of God being the head of this um, sort of, how would you say this? Like a, a not an orphanage, but a, a baby a charity. <laughs> Whoa, oh, hold on, Jeannie. Mean... Jeez, relax. I'm talking about <laughs> can we ease into these waters? Not the not the baby factory. Um, although that is a good descriptive. But but John of God, uh, that's not the foot that he led with. He led with a different foot. And it was just like a charity thing, right? He's helping uh displaced mothers and and you know, children, things of that nature. All of a sudden, at the same time that Oprah is being accused of child trafficking, John of God gets busted. For child trafficking. Shortly afterwards, something happens at one of Oprah's mansions, and the headlines read for part of a day that she's being accused and arrested on child trafficking charges. And then suddenly that goes away. And the only reason there was police tape outside of her mansion was because she was doing construction. That's, I believe, that's what it got reduced to. So all of the players that are being mentioned in the QAnon community. Almost every single one shortly thereafter has an event, a bizarre event that can be interpreted as uh, vindication towards what Q is saying or just a happy coincidence. Um, I'd like to know your take on those things. I'm sure there was more. Do you think that I missed anything? That was really good in my head. I like this is how... I tell everyone to do digs if they want to dig on a celebrity. If it's a male, always see if you can find them in a dress. Um, you always want to see if you can find them anywhere with Marina Abramovich, males and females. Um, you want to see if they had an interview on Oprah. Like, it's not just like the Dave Chappelle. Remember, Oprah almost was the conservator of Lindsay Lohan. And she did a whole show with that afterward. And now in Lindsay Lohan lives in like somewhere in the Middle East. And she's been accused of like just trying to steal a baby out of um, nowhere. You said Oprah, uh, one of her houses that got raided was in Florida, right down the way from Jeffrey Epstein had a house in Palm beach and Oprah. So it's like Mar-a-Lago and all those big, huge houses that are right there. Mar-a-Lago has an underground um, it's built. They call it the Southern white house because it has uh, actual missile silos and like uh, productive uh, protection in the basement, like uh, panic rooms almost, but of White House caliber panic rooms. So people always think in their naive brain that you can't go underground in Florida. Now, Mar-a-Lago is right on the beach. So uh, if we always theorize that these elite don't travel in Epstein planes, that flight log is just one thing. They travel in their own planes and they travel in submarines. So a lot of these places, these houses on the coast also have something, maybe they can get in and out of the underground in a way we don't understand. But they said right in Palm Beach with Oprah's house that was being dug up. And if you look this up now, one of my favorite things is pretty much anything you see on PolitiFact or one of those, you know, I always hear Hannibal Lecter in my ear, like um, Silence of the Lambs 2 with Juliana Moore, like you're getting warmer, Clarice. Like if I, if I get PolitiFact or Bannered, I feel like I'm on the the right track. So everywhere it's like, no, Oprah's house wasn't raided for child trafficking. And we were all sold the idea. Remember how many schools we let Oprah have in Africa? 
And we were like, why don't we, why doesn't she do this in the United States? Why doesn't she do? Cause they're not just after kids. They're not just after virgins. They're after melanin. And so these are all levels of things that these sick people are up to. And so she also had schools in Africa that rapes and molestations and all these accusations were going down. But that, I think that's all a cover. So when you put in Oprah rapist, it comes up with those schools. It's the same way as the movie Frozen for Disney. You put in Disney Frozen, you can't find anything about Walt Disney being cryogenically frozen. You just have some girl singing, let it go, let it go. (laughs) So those are like... yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but wasn't she also um, directly involved in the first wave of support for the Haiti earthquakes where all those children started going missing and there was videos coming up to the surface of Haitian parents... Um, in the middle of this earthquake, this disaster, saying really wild things like the people that are supposed to be saving us are taking the children. That like and- with Hillary, Laura Silsby, and we see who's helping at the Maui earthquake where we haven't heard anything about the kids. Black Rock, I mean, The Rock and Oprah, because they love Black Rock symbolism. Black Rock City, Chris Rock is a Black Rock. I always it's like something about our true north that they're trying to bury with us. Like, I, I think like there's even something about Antarctica always looking down there, but we all forgot about the North Pole. Um, Oprah also picked Obama as our president. Like uh, he was way behind. Hillary was winning the popular vote. Imagine saying that Hillary was winning a popular vote. She was beating Obama. More people wanted her to be the president than this unknown dude. And Oprah had to come on and say, it's OK, white women of America. He's a good guy. Um this is so, the same Obama that ordered an astronomical amount of hot dogs, like an ungodly $60, amount of hot dogs. dollars worth of hot dogs to the White House. I would like to see that amount of hot dogs. Like if, if somebody could just drop that off outside, like on the front lawn, what would $60,000 worth of hot dogs look like? And I know because Obama's from Chicago, right? So the idea is like, no, dude, he just really loves like a Chicago style dog or, you know, maybe he's not even from Chicago. Else. He's not even yeah, from no. America. Even the story they tried to tell, he ain't from Chicago. Uh, So a thing that comes up in the digs, dress, Abramovich, Oprah, Obama, uh, you know, we're all talking about everybody's all hot with Israel right now. The House of Saud, the only country in the entire world named after a family is Saudi Arabia. So the House of Saud is another huge one of these things when everyone's like, oh, it's all the blank. Anytime. It's all the blank. Nope. There's a couple key things you got to dig into because we have these players all over the world and it doesn't mean they're good. They could be fighting with each other as long as we're dead. Um, So Saudi Arabia is a big thing people have to look into. Uh, They have... I mean, this attaches to Jamal Khashoggi, which attaches to Dodei Fayet, which was um, maybe... Uh, Princess Diana's baby daddy when she died in the tunnel. But that brings up paparazzi again, that if there were a real secret society of good guys and I couldn't have security follow me all the time, I would dress them up as paparazzi and then they could follow me everywhere. And so I have this theory that these certain people that the Anons love to jump on, like the JFK Juniors, the Trumps, the Princess Dianas, the Paris Hiltons, the Britney Spears... Some of these people could be secret society of good guys that are just being protected by what we see as paparazzi, but really is just armed security. 
because Trump never let his own security go for the Secret Service. He always kept his own security the entire time he was in the White House, which I think is sus as fuck if we're supposed to think the Secret Service is top notch. So, you know, on that note, that's actually very interesting because the paparazzi wasn't always a thing. It was kind of a phenomenon that suddenly emerged out of the whole Paris Hilton debacle. She popularized this idea of the paparazzi and sort of uh, is responsible for for birthing this. um, I mean, I guess you would say not career path, but just this this um, this job that really wasn't there before. People took photos of celebrities, but the way that um, in our minds, the image that's evoked by the name paparazzi today, that was something that Paris Hilton sort of popularized. And so it it doesn't feel organic because leading up to that moment, there was just people taking pictures of celebrities occasionally, but not in this real concerted effort. And then all of a sudden, boom, the paradigm shifts. The paparazzi is now a thing. It's popularized by one of the biggest uh, cultural influencers of the time, right? She popularized even the selfie. Um, and so, you know, if you look at the phenomenon of the paparazzi, it just doesn't feel organic. And maybe there was an idea there where um, you could utilize this in some way, shape or form. Um, but in order to do that, you had to create a reason for it having existed in the first place and then insert uh, Paris Hilton. So it was just interesting to me because it never felt organic. It felt like Diana. a really strange thing. Princess Diana is the real flood of paparazzi. It's the flood. And they even blame her for their her death and they try to outlaw it. And Diana is, she's born on a 31, 13 inverted. And so is Selena. She's born on a 31. And so I think these two women, maybe on purpose, maybe unexpectedly, but they were definitely murdered because for some reason, these two women with this moon goddess energy could have freed nations. They were, they could have brought people together for whatever reason, every way, like people who don't know how big Selena was and how beloved she was for the entirety of pretty much Texas all the way down to the tip of South America. And people were just, she was about to explode everywhere and she was intelligent and she just people, it didn't matter the differences. This is where music and musing is a, such a high magic. Um, but Diana had that same vibe too. They tried to spread the same as COVID with AIDS. They try to make us not touch babies in each other anymore. Diana's the first one to go out and she's like, no, I'm not scared of this. I'll touch, I'll sit with an AIDS patient. And she's the flip of because all the paparazzi were following her all the time. She made them follow her into third world countries and to hospitals. So it was just like somewhere about the Princess Diana, you can't, like they never wanted that much power. So they would either kill it or we would see it coming if there were good guys. And we would say, no, it was going to happen and take her out before they could. Because all reports are she was alive in the tunnel. (laughs) <laughs> Janie, that's a really cool idea because I've never thought about it before. And that to me is what makes it a cool idea. It's like, damn, if you really did have like this society of good guys that were sort of depicted as the most parasitic, like terrible people. And I'm sure like some of them were, but the idea that within the paparazzi, there was moving amongst them, this group of good guys that was responsible for protecting whoever it is that they were, you know, photographing at the time. Um, and especially, you know, big characters like that, a Princess Diana or a, or a Selena. And I'm really uh, thrilled that you mentioned that because my wife is a massive 
Selena fan. And now I get to be like, babe, you should listen to this. You should actually listen to an episode because this one, we mentioned somebody you like. Um, I feel like Selena's a whole rabbit hole was totally sacrificed. Same as Diana, like even the cover story. I think she is such a powerful, I think she is a whole episode. Selena, like the same as Marina, like getting, you know, like they're all whole episodes of people. Um, Yeah, you started it with Tom Hanks or you started with Ellen this time. And because it's just like they're all attached, it keeps going off. But so Ellen, when she was laying on her couch originally, I feel like we have to start at Tom Hanks because Tom Hanks is the first celebrity that we see get Corona. And so he comes out on a Corona typewriter and at the same time that he is on his Corona typewriter saying he's really sick, trapped in an Australian hotel room with Rita Wilson, Madonna's typing on her Corona typewriter. All of this is being done at the exact same time that Cardi B um, is coming out saying, coronavirus, coronavirus, I'm scared, y'all. I'm scared. So they're putting this trance in us at the same time that LeBron James is saying, I don't know if I'm going to play. So once those sports, because sports is Hollywood too, no one thinks of it that way. So once sports start shutting down and then these celebrities are scared, I'm scared, y'all. And Tom Hanks is saying him and Rita are trapped in the hotel. Now we all start LARPing, live action role playing and playing along. This is all magic. LARPing is high fucking magic that you have to do everything this way. So Cardi B, another, I believe, connection to Saudi Arabia. So then afterward, Tom Hanks comes out and it's his plasma bag, which is one of the most disgusting things. I don't know how, but it made me gayer. When I saw Tom Hanks's plasma bag, I was like, this is the most disgusting shit I've ever seen. So he comes out with his plasma bag saying, hey, you guys, I'm going to help cure COVID and they're going to start working on a vaccine right away. So then that's the first little nibble that we feel safe because Tom Hanks, America's sweetheart, is telling us that he's helping make this vaccine with his plasma. Nobody knows that they also have Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom in the same hotel just in case they need to pull them out. Like and say Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom are playing along, but they might not have needed it. So they never used it. But it was all part of the storyline at the time. So the COVID and the um, uh, da, 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 Tom, all his movies. So now back to Ellen. This is going on and Ellen's sitting on her couch upside down. She's like hanging on her couch upside down and she has her knees crossed over. If you're into tarot, this is the hangman pose. And so they like to use it over and over again, like for 9-11. That's why they show us that guy falling out of the building all the time in the hangman pose. So Ellen's doing the hangman. And um, she also starts doing these videos where she's like, trust the smart people. Trust the smart people. This is where the Anon started to dig. And the smart people were like um, a monitoring system for like pedophiles. It was like a whole big, huge thing. So that's where the Anons get credit for a lot of things. Wayfair, that dig is Anon credit. They don't get any credit for that. But everything that was found out about the Wayfair rabbit holes were all the QAnon kids. And they don't get, and I'm putting it together there. I like to call them Anons and then Q is a separate thing. But all the kids that followed Q, those are all the kids that did Wayfair and they'd get no credit for that. But I'm giving them credit right now. Um, So Ellen's ankle monitor. She also has L in the middle of her name. So this is deity for them, L. And so they like to put it in their names, Ellen, Elon. Um, so you can see it sometimes when they say, I love you. I think they say L of you, L of you. So I think they're actually like almost like sheeping you. There's something with the of and the I. Anytime they I say like we think of the letter I, it's eyeball for them. 
So it's always I and you isn't you Y-O-U, it's E-W-E, it's sheep, you. So it, these, it's, this is all so crazy. So um, Ellen is Joe, t- attached Katie, to, oh, go on. <laughs> I just want to say, even though I like know this stuff, um, it just be like listening to you say it, there is such a, like my skin's blown back with the idea that like, no shit, this was an op. This was always an op. Like there's no uh, typing on the Corona typewriters. Trust the smart people. Like it was, I, QAnon was one of the hardest things for me. And I I just want to say this really quick. And then I I want you to go right back on the, on the stream of thought that you were on because you're crushing it right now. But it's like QAnon for me was very difficult. I had been a conspiracy theorist since 2006, 2007. And like I said, it started with the music industry. And like I said, really, I was just kind of dismissed, you know, and and maybe some of my friends thought it was interesting. Maybe some of my family thought it was interesting, but really we're just kind of concerned with my mental health. But no, no, <laughs> nothing, nothing was as visceral of a reaction as when I presented QAnon shit to people. Like that really, people had, like that was one that, they didn't want to hear it. I had, and it was also because, you know, it's like by that time I was probably already, um, this was 2019. So I was 29 years old. Right. So you're over, over a decade already of knowing that it's off putting to people to try to convince them of conspiracy theories. Unless I had a homie every once in a while, we'd be, you know, smoking a blunt and they would be willing to listen to me and we'd be able to go back and forth. But for the most part, I knew at that point in the game, when somebody was receptive and when somebody wasn't. And I'm only remembering now when you're laying out these things for me, it's evoking all these feelings again of the reason that I even wasted my breath is because this was so damn obvious. And I was convinced that if I showed people these things, that there's no way it wouldn't be obvious to them. And you know what? Maybe it was. And maybe that's why people had such a visceral reaction to me because COVID was another one. but. Q was the first one in a long time where people gave me pushback, didn't want to hear it. It wasn't just fun, Dave, you know, telling me wonky shit anymore. It was like, this is offensive and disgusting and I don't want to hear it. And that is very much what I got. And the only reason I'm remembering now that I even wasted my breath is, well, it wasn't wasting my breath. I don't want to sound like it was negative. I was trying to communicate with people, but man, it was so obvious. If you had eyes to see, it was the symbolism was everywhere. The the psychological operation, the subliminal messaging was everywhere. And it wasn't even like really well hidden. And yet maybe it was because it wasn't well hidden and it hinted at something really nefarious happening that people couldn't even stomach it. And uh, it did wake up a lot of people, but I don't know where they were in my life because most of the people were just upset with me. So, so I just wanted to say that because it's almost like as you're saying this, especially when you got to the Corona typewriter and the smart people thing, it was like my hackles went up. Like I could feel my hair standing up on yeah, end because, because I everybody it. forgets sometimes like as we look further and deeper and further and deeper, sometimes we don't go back. Sometimes we just keep going forward. And sometimes it's good to go back and talk about these things because some of the insecurities we have about speaking aloud and saying, no, this is bullshit is because we were beat down by people in our real lives and we just got lonely and quiet. And so we started to look in other places. And so it's really important that like your authenticity and the way you see the world and like your tools of discernment, protect yourself where you feel the need to. But I have realized in that Westworld way, 
people can't see what will hurt them. Like they're not able to see it. The robots cannot see what will hurt them. Everybody is so fascinated with, will the computer become sentient? And I'm like, why don't you start paying to each other and seeing if each other are sentient anymore? Like these questions of being able to like, don't push people's face and you cannot wake someone up. You can't peel their eyeballs open. We're not trying to clockwork orange anyone anymore. There was a period of my life I was trying to do that, but I had to go through my own shadow work and my own pain and my own grief. But I think you also have to get a little more humble before you get your next superpower. Because if you're an angry bitch, that isn't someone you want with a dragon. You want the person that has the information to not be fighting with people. It doesn't hurt me personally if you don't agree with my information that I have today. And I might not agree with it tomorrow. It's just information. It's just questions. If you take anything personal, then that is right there. Why? Because somewhere you're idolizing somebody. And that's what I noticed with a lot of these people. They assumed because you were following Q that you were idolizing Trump. That was the assumption when really what you were pointing out in Q was destroying their idols. And that was the more painful fucking thing. And when, where most of the people, honestly, out of all the Q kids that I know, I would say 80% of them are probably Christian. So they're actual, they don't believe in false idols. So it's a weird assumption to put on them. Another 15% of the Q kids that I know are, um, magic and they, they saw all they saw was wizards and witches and warlocks and thing and me magic and LARPing and they just saw these words and so that's another 15% of the kids and then 5% of them that no one likes to talk about are really disgruntled Bernie voters <laughs> man what you're laying out here is just reminding me of like how weird and winding the path to now has been the Bernie voters knew the election was stolen before we ever got to 2020. The original Bernie voters had their election stolen way back at the DNC primaries with Hillary. So that's still this core 5% of pissed off people that no one even believes in. (laughs) You're right. Oh my God. It's, I never even stopped to think that like what happened to Bernie Sanders bought a very, um, unsuspecting group to the table. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, those people, when they found that it was rigged against Bernie and that he was basically forced out of the game, uh, they had to turn somewhere. And the mainstream narrative was not that at all. But there were people who were telling you that that sort of thing happened and that the DNC was corrupt and that they pulled Bernie out of the race. And those people... Then we get to Bernie 2.0. And Bernie 2.0 is only there to hand his votes to Hillary or Biden if need be. That's all. And this is where Joe Rogan, I started to notice the Joe Rogan and Howard Stern and podcast and YouTube and these idols becoming the new idols that we think we chose for ourselves, but they're just as guilty as being the old school Hollywood. So I always call Joe Rogan, Toe Rogan. He is the Oprah of men and no one sees it. And it's so dangerous. So Bernie 2.0, Rogan has on. Rogan has on Tulsi Gabbard. Rogan has on um, Dan Crenshaw eye patch. Rogan has on like pretty much every shill, but he won't sit down with Trump. That to me is sus AF. And really the only reason at first when Trump came into the picture, I thought this is some, this is how Hillary becomes the president is they picked this guy purposefully so that 
Hillary has an easy walk in because I had been watching the movie like I passed out Obama deceptions back in like 2012 on the streets of Portland, Oregon. Um, (laughs) And like and the Bushes are evil, the whole thing. It's not just the Democratic Party. It's all just a CIA setup, a shadow government setup that's even bigger than the three letter agency that we know. And so I'm watching all this unfold and I didn't even like this homie at all. But then. When I started doing research, which everybody says Trump's such an egomaniac that he wanted his tweets put in the uh, Library of Congress. Is he an egomaniac or did we all have our tweets put in the Library of Congress, including all of them that tried to delete their tweets afterwards, like Chrissy Teigen and Hillary Clinton and Patton Oswald and all these people. So all the things that. Yeah. So everything they tried to say he was an egomaniac for was really like, huh. They could delete it all they wanted to, but we still had it all. We still had Trump calling Obama not born here. We still had Trump saying, you take a healthy baby to the hospital, and then all of a sudden they poke it with a whole bunch of vaccines, and you take it home, and it has autism. Like, we still have all those Trump tweets. And so um, it was where everyone even thought another Trump ego thing. Oh, look, Trump just wanted his name on the bottom of the checks. Trump just wanted his name on the bottom of the checks. No, you guys were about to all get cryptocurrency cards with forced digital currency. And the only way they could give you a universal income, which Andrew Yang walked into on Joe Rogan. Um, the only way they could give you that was in the way you'd accept it like a pacifier and never go back to work again was if you had that digital currency card. And then if you were on the tit of the government that you were getting a certain amount of money from them a week, PayPal had it. If you said the wrong thing online, you were going to get charged $2,500. And so, oh, well, that's not a big deal. What does PayPal control? Who, who, what does Elon Musk really control? I don't know. Maybe the everything app that everyone's using right now. So it was just like slow walk-ins for your, the only way they can carbon credit you or charge you for your bad shit online that you say is with digital currency. So Trump sent us a check with his name on it and they all called him an egomaniac, but we were all supposed to get our government subsidized WIC cards and that didn't happen. So he averted that. I I got it. Like, I'm so happy we're doing this because (laughs) so much of this stuff, like you said, we we keep moving forward. We don't look back and I haven't looked back in a long time, Chaney. I've been looking forward at at what the next thing is going to be. The the news cycle is becoming. I don't know why this always comes up to me where the Obama made it that we all had to get the spiral new light bulbs in our house. He outlawed all the old Edison bulbs because he said they were bad for landfills like glass and metal, which go they they evaporate, they go right back to it. Um, and then we all got these halogen weird bulbs that they were like, these bulbs are going to last all these years. I haven't ever had COVID. I haven't had the sniffles since the last like tetanus vaccine I got 15 years ago. And I believe if you're getting it over and over again, check your light bulbs, put the old Edison bulbs back in your house. Because it's not just 5G warfare. It's not just chemtrails. It's not just the food we're eating. There is shit that were simple little EOs, executive orders that Trump signed. And one of them was putting American-made Edison bulbs back in your house. And this isn't an Edison-Tesla argument. I'm just describing that kind of light bulb, that old school glass light bulb. I do have to. um, This episode is brought to you by Edison Bulbs. If you'd like, you can go to edisonbulbs.com and use hashtag... uh, (laughs) the Ravens watch as a promo code. No, we don't sell that here, but you're absolutely, I have those stupid halogen circular ones in my kitchen right now. Uh, I never even thought about that. This idea, you know, it was crazy that they, they dinged him on everything. It was like, he said, um, 
we're looking at a way to get UV lights in the body in order to, you know, cure viruses or whatever the case may be. And they're like, Trump's such an idiot. Or this idea that Trump is saying we're going to drink bleach. You know what I mean? It was like they would spin everything on him. And this is the thing. I was never a a big Trump supporter. I've actually never voted. Um, I've always kind of felt that I was too stupid to vote. I didn't have all the information that I needed to, to cast an intelligent vote. And so I'd be doing people a disservice by throwing my two cents into the ring. But um, what I did notice was that people were so quick to just call Trump an idiot. And I knew that that was disingenuous. Like I knew that this guy was intelligent. I knew that they were mischaracterizing everything he said or did to put a spin on it in order to call it stupid, which was wild to me because that felt like nobody was being honest. Nobody wanted to have an honest conversation about the things that he did that were good or otherwise. They just wanted to characterize everything he did as stupid. But I was saying before that, you know, we, you're right. We have been in this constant mode of looking forward. And you just mentioned like Chrissy Teigen, right? Who was at, I forgot she was at the heart of this whole thing. Like this whole Pizzagate QAnon conspiracy. She was immersed in it, her and, and John Legend. And then Patton Oswald, who I forgot why I hated him. <laughs> because he was maybe one of the most annoying dudes. Uh, he probably the killed Trump his wife president. because she actually got too close to figuring out who the real Golden State killer was. And then they released this BS on us. Oh, my God, man. It is the propaganda machine moves so quickly these days that it's easy to forget what you've already been inundated with. And man, have we been through the ringer? It's crazy. I just want to take a moment and appreciate this, Cheney, because <laughs> I've been saying it a lot lately and I'm going to continue to say it. Right now, the American people, the globe or the plane, whatever it is, the world is being subjected to the most sophisticated propaganda machine in the history of humankind. And some of us are still here. Some of us are still not falling for the propaganda. Some of us, and I've fallen for a lot of things. When you do this as long as I have, or I'm sure uh, you have too, we fall for things. We, we believe something will chase down a trail. We spread COVID. We, are, we're the, we, we were the first ones to spread lockdown and we don't even know it, but we were the first ones inundated with China locking down. So we unknowingly spread because the media was like, no, everything's fine. And we were getting all these videos of them sandbagging streets and locking people in their apartments. So we took the stuff off 4chan and 8chan and 4kun and, and you know, we, we took the stuff off the back channels and we spread it on our channels and we helped spread the narrative. So everyone played along with the world locking down. I, I will say that um, when I saw those videos, it was only, it was within the same week that I saw videos um, from a balcony of the the bodies that were dropping left and right all over the streets of of uh, Hong Kong, um, and the the people in the hazmat suits, you know, coming and collecting them. But then I saw a video from a balcony, like a third or fourth floor, um, and you see after the the shot is done, the person gets up. The body that had dropped to the floor and died because of COVID actually gets up, and you realize this is some sort of like a babies in an incubator. Like that's how they get us into war every time. Like, Oh my gosh, there's babies in an incubator. Oh my God. And you would think like we would learn our lessons, but we don't see as, as, especially as Americans, um, you know, we have so much sway over the, the culture of the world with our own opinions. We're the loudest people on the planet. And, um, 
you think that we would learn to pump the brakes, you know, especially like even this time, right. With the whole Israel Palestine thing, it's like, I hit the brakes. I don't have all the information. We're in the fog of war. The propaganda machine is strong. I don't know what's real and what's not. I'm not going to throw my hat in Where and decide. Remember how everyone would have you? I stand with Ukraine. Now everyone stands Ukraine with Israel. Who? Before that, they all standed with the trans friend. Before that, they stood with France. Before that, they were standing with the Boston bombing. Before that, they were standing with Kaepernick taking a knee for set. Like, it's just like uh, they were and all we standing learned. six, six, six feet apart. They were all wearing masks for the whole time. Like, I didn't play into any of their fucking rituals. And that's what I see all of it as. It just so happens that. Uh, we have this eclipse right when this thing in the Middle East goes down. Like, I just, come on now, everyone. And I, um, the Friday the 13th of it all, because then you have Freya and Frigg and like. I like 13th. that though. I like the Friday the 13th of it all. Like that is, <laughs> even though that, that speaks to me uh, very deeply for some reason. Like that could be uh, a phrase you use to sum up this whole damn thing. It's just the Friday 13th <laughs> of it all, man. We have been uh, beaten down and, and propagandized again and again, and we just keep falling for it. But, but I, I do want to, let's, let's steer back because we're getting far from, we were just about to start touching on a uh, Marina Abramovich, I think. Okay. Um, and the role that she plays in all of this really weird stuff where it's like she's taking pictures in front of I believe there's a painting. I forget what it's called, but it's a painting of Lucifer. And she stood in front of that painting of Lucifer with like one of the Rothschilds who looks like he's lost his source of adrenochrome and is dying on the vine. Um, and <laughs> all of them this look is, like that. It's so yeah, crazy. And then she she starts to become. I don't know. It was like um, it was like she took the mask off and was suddenly now part of pop culture, which I thought was really strange because it wasn't very long ago that we wouldn't have accepted this. Uh, what is she? What's her ethnicity? I think she's is she Swedish or Serbian or Serbian. something. And so I don't think that people would have accepted her um, 15 years ago. You know what I mean? But. All of that stuff that we talked about earlier on when it comes to the symbolism in the music industry and in Hollywood paved the way for a character like her to be publicly accepted um, and and not really scrutinized, although she is scrutinized by the conspiracy community. But, you know, like all the stuff that we just mentioned about they support this thing, they support Ukraine, they support that thing. They don't care what we say. Clearly, they just keep falling for the same crap over and over again. So even though the conspiracy community is scrutinizing of Marina Abramovich, nobody really seems to give a damn. And she's still just allowed to operate within pop culture, uh, seemingly without much uh, uh, abrasiveness or resistance. Um, and she's got all of these different practices. Can you tell us a little bit about like what you know and the imagery associated with like all this spirit cooking crap? Like there was so many videos coming out at the time of her doing the weirdest thing. It was like, you know, John Podesta, you're going to dig a knife into your ring finger and eat the pain or some crap like that. Do you remember all that? Cut a knife into the middle finger of your left hand and eat the pain. <laughs> Why? What the hell is that? And you can find celebrities all with a Band-Aid around their middle finger. And they Obama. even say, yeah, Obama, after his paddleboard friend um, mysteriously died, he was on the golf course the next day with a Band-Aid around the middle finger. Somewhere I wonder if that's not a karmic thing. 
like cut a middle finger deeply into your left hand. And like, if they do something, I went too far bad or went against their own evil deity, whatever that may be, they have to do that to like equalize the, well, in the way that the revelation of the method is sort of like, I'm karmically free. It's not my fault. You were too stupid to see that we showed you what we were going to do. Maybe if you were to like, I don't know, let's say, um, cut off a child's face and like put it on your face. It's something weird and crazy like that, right? Um, that's not necessarily a world event. You don't have to warn the the people of the world that that's coming in order to be karmically free, but you still did do something dark and evil. So maybe it's a, a, a form of karmic repentance. You know, you inflicted pain. And so what you do is you then do it to yourself and and that way it, it frees you somehow of whatever karma was attached you know to that situation. Cat- the one sect of Catholics that will beat themselves on the back with the whips. That's exactly what I was thinking about. I just had yeah. deja vu too. We've had this conversation before. I did uh, too. Yeah, and I is... felt like I didn't, it was like, I felt like when I said that last time, you knew the name of what I was. Saying. Yeah. It was like <laughs> self-flagellate. I saw your, yes. even your arm moving up and I was like, oh, I've been here before. That's fucking weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I don't know what that is, but all of that stuff stems from her. And uh, yeah, so she was a performance artist for a really long time and was a performance artist with a male. And they would do these weird things like braid their hair together and then sit like that for hours and hours and hours, almost in a David Blaine type way where some of it seemed like painly excruciating or like very uncomfortable. She did another one where she sat in New York City and people would come and see her and sit across from her in chairs and people would just sob and all this. And they would all get this like certain time frame. And I think it was called like something with the artist. And uh, so in this, the, she gets pushed back into the pop culture and she holds a lamb for Europeans. Um, anyone, they like Prince William holding a lamb. Marina holds a lamb. It's like a, uh, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen have a picture of them holding a lamb. It's something weird with their symbolism. Um, So maybe it's us with the sheep. Like they just think of us in the same way as that chattel cattle where they don't really care. Um, But uh, she sat with uh, Jay-Z. So everyone's like, look at Jay-Z sitting with this artist. And if you don't care about hip hop, well, um, James Franco sits with her too. And he has stuff come out that's kind of pedo sus. Um, So he, if you only know about James Franco, Shia LaBeouf becomes a big key player in all her stuff and kind of loses some of his clout in Hollywood because he was pushing off in this like Disney kid transformer rocket, uh, Indiana Jones part four. He was about to become this really huge star. And then Marina and then this indie turn. And uh, then of course, Lady Gaga, which some people theorize that she like, killed and absorbed the energy of somebody else who actually, and I call her Lady Gaga in that name because I won't, something with the spell of Gaga, it's weird. Like it, it's something baby, like I'm saying, I don't know, like Lady Baby, I don't, or it's Gaga, like I'm about to do a spell like bed knobs and broomstick shit. Like I don't like it. Um, And I usually mock all their names <laughs> when I'm saying them anyway. Cause, I quoted, I was like, um, I haven't detected an accent in Cheney up until this very moment where she <laughs> Lady said Gaga. Gaga. <laughs> yeah, it just it's like uh, her thing. So some people theorize that Marina is Lady Gaga's mom. 
So you can find Lady Gaga in meat suits and all these weird, like, start looking into her outfits that she wears. Start looking into, like, her horns that she wears. She has a lot of Moorish horn symbolism. Um, yeah, which when she was in that meat suit, she had a crown as well. And so there's, like, there's definitely, you don't get to escape the imagery of whatever the crown is. Um, there's there's definitely uh, a lot in of... In the Met uh, Gala. That's where it's like you see a lot of these celebrities at the Met Gala, which people think Met Metropolis, but Met also means meat. Like it's another like uh, translation of it. So you have fashion is super high magic. The house of Gucci, the house of like Donna Versace, the house of these things have been in the zeitgeist forever. Fabrics and colors matter. Um, And I also believe it is the oldest language. It's the language that deteriorates. So we are all under this idea that Sanskrit or runes are the oldest language. But my argument would be those are the ones that were written in stone after we had tools, bigger tools. I think we would have spoken fabrics and beads way beforehand and it would have just deteriorated and I would have wanted it to deteriorate. We wouldn't have wanted permanent language. Yeah, I agree with that, that it just makes sense that that would have come first. And when you look at like, there's two things that um, besides music, Kanye West is really into. And it is all of this occult art, right? It goes right back to the art of things where for some reason through artistic expression, you can get away with the hell of a lot, but also fashion where Kanye West is immersed in the fashion world. And around the same time as all of these events that we're describing from Tom Hanks and Ellen, uh, Marina and Lady Gaga, uh, Kanye is, accusing kim kardashian of selling their child for sex do you remember that happening it was like he was coming out and it wasn't in so many words it was a really strange uh i think it was a text message and and the way that he worded it insinuated that there was something that was going to happen to his daughter um at the behest of kim kardashian that was sexual in nature and it deeply upset him. And Kanye West is one of these characters where I think I don't think that he is completely controlled. I think the breakdowns that we see are genuine breakdowns. I think that he's not a good faith actor, but I think he's very conflicted in the things that he's part of. And so every once in a while he breaks kayfabe and and you see him come through in this really manic way. And it's because the things that he's involved with and that he's seen and that he understands are so damning to the human psyche, especially in regards to uh, people that are familiar with the concept that um, Kanye West's mother was sacrificed in order for him to be able to achieve the level of fame that he has uh, and success that he has. However, he was he loved his mother. And that's one of the things that I think is genuinely true about Kanye West is he did love his mother. And so he's he's even said that in songs. There are song lyrics where he talks about they sacrifice my mother or something like that. Um, and so I think he's just one of these characters that's super conflicted. I think Kim Kardashian is like some high level witch and she can keep her shit together. She's a professional influencer. And when I say influencer, I mean, this woman is helping to steer culture in a very negative and dark direction. But I think she's kind of really good at it and she keeps her wits about her. And if she breaks down, it's behind the scenes. But Kanye is a very instable character. And I think they kind of hate that about him, where it's like he produces uh, incredible music. He moves culture in a massive way. But unfortunately, it's a double edged sword where this guy breaks down and allows people to see behind the curtain every once in a while. And, uh, you know, 
that's just another one of these things where it's like drips of water until the dam bursts. Kanye West was one of those drips of water during this time. And now who the hell even knows Kanye is in a really weird place. I don't even know if it is Kanye anymore. He certainly doesn't look like the same guy. Um, and that goes into all these weird cloning facilities and things of that nature. But he was another one where it really seems like this era that we're describing um, shook the foundations of so many different worlds, but really um, pertaining to Hollywood and the music industry. And there were fissures and cracks and and things split open and some people went away like Ellen DeGeneres and and other people went insane like Kanye West. And, I, you know, who the hell knows where Tom Hanks is to this day? I, I He makes very few appearances and the appearances that he does make are very questionable. When this guy was like at the forefront of everything, he was the Hollywood sweetheart. You know, Tom Hanks was Tom Hanks uh, was my wife's favorite actor until I was like, no, he's drinking babies. You know, and now she's kind of uh, backed off on that. But this time, uh, once again, I just got to go back to that. We keep moving forward. We keep looking forward and we very rarely look back. And this episode so far has given me the ability of hindsight where I'm like, damn, it was so tumultuous. It was it was ground shaking. And I remember just being in those moments like, what the hell is going to happen next? And then when COVID popped off, we were inundated with the fastest news cycle anybody's ever seen ever and now to this day here we are uh october 16th 2023 and every other day it's a new thing we used to have like a two week long cycle and i remember saying that two weeks was about how long something would stay in the media till we went on to the next thing and i thought that was crazy now like two days yeah it's so quick and i think part of the like hollywood thing has been to make it so quick on us like it's like we get a little bit of war stuff and it's actually the trauma of MK Ultra that they're kind of doing where they're like, here's something that's really um, hard for you to stomach. Here's something that really makes you feel good here. We're going to traumatize you again. And it's like we don't even realize it's happening to us in these cycles. Kanye, he is a Britney to me where I stand on the fence of like some people, I believe there's if you did bad shit, you did bad shit, but it doesn't mean you might not want to save your own soul and whatever that means to you. Like there might not be ever going. Yeah. There might not be going back to us. You, you, there might be shit about you. Like even Isaac Cappy said that he did shit that, you know, just pray for his soul about, and he would never really fess up about it. So there's people like Brittany or like Kanye. I always use Anna Nicole Smith, like look back again at another example I think she was a perfect example of how they would maybe take somebody who wasn't always involved. Like Britney was always involved. We, she's a Disney kid, but like a Kanye, for example. And you were sometimes normal. And then you have a relationship um, with a Peter Nygaard, this really wealthy billionaire who's as deep as an Epstein, as nasty as a Jimmy Savile. And he tortures you. And maybe the only thing that can keep you safe is another billionaire. So what everybody thinks Anna Nicole Smith is a gold digger marrying this old man. She was really just trying to get away from Peter Nygaard. And so another thing, once the old man dies, Howard P. Stern, the attorney, not the radio show, becomes her new handler. So we have to see Brittany with these handlers. We see like Chris Jenner seemingly is one of these handlers. But Brittany lets us know they take all this blood from her all the time. And so I think they split these people's purse. I think all of us 
could be split personality in our head if we had enough torture, trauma or something. Something could happen inside our brain where it splits like the movie Split. And so of all of those different characters that come in us, we be, we get a different heart rate. We get different accents. We diff, get different um, uh, blood flow. We get different adrenaline flows. So of all the alters they can create, their favorite alter, I believe, to drink off of that produces the purest amount of adrenochrome to them is the little kid. So that's why we see right before Anna Nicole Smith dies, she almost gets trapped in that little girl. We see Brittany sometimes fade off into that little kid self where it almost seems like she has all these different alters. They've done studies forever and ever that people with higher levels of schizophrenia have higher levels of adrenochrome in their body. So I think when we see Brittany Manic, Kanye Manic, that is when they capture them. Like they're almost coming to their, that they're seen through the thin veil. They're about to say all the shit. And when you see them in these outbreaks, whether they're shaving their head or on stage, just having where they're like, Oh, Kanye's gone crazy. He goes somewhere. We don't see him for a bit. He comes back with bleached hair and then he has to go through whatever kind he marries Kim Kardashian, a high witch where all her sisters are labeled with K her Chris's mother is a high witch. And so every man that they've been with somewhere, I think Chris becomes the conservator of the man and they somehow drain his energy force. Like it's such a weird, even from them dating this archetype black man to moving into this hip hop black man to moving into this scrawny white kid. It's like all seems like they're all doing the same trend that we're watching. So we go from like Kanye to Pete Davidson. You know, and (laughs) that was about the realest thing that Rogan said, right, in his uh, comedy special where he pretends to be like this demon that's uh, uh, hovering over the body of Kanye West and trying to convince. Oh, no, maybe it was Bruce uh, Jenner. Bruce Jenner, yeah, and trying to convince him to uh, to change his gender. uh, And he was doing it like some sort of demon. It's funny enough that that was kind of like Rogan's biggest bit ever that he did. Um, But the, the whole. That is such a, it's like a circumcision of the American male to take the gold medal winner of the, like what, the, oh, yeah. the, 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 whatever, the, whatever, the lawn, where he did the 10. Yeah. The decathlon he did where it was like such a thing. He's Wheaties box. He is the American poster male. So to turn him into a female and the slant, which I think is so ironic, he doesn't pick a K, even though he could be Caitlin with a K, he picks Caitlin with a C, which is one of his son's exit girlfriends. It's like such a weird thing at the time, but he picks Caitlin with a C not to bring it back to Q, but if you look the qua in Kemet, in ancient Egypt was a Q. Anything that was that hard k sound was represented with a Q. Some people say the original Jesus fish was done with a rope. And so it would have looked like a Q, the old Q on its side. When you see all these different languages come in and Egypt or Kemet gets taken over by Egypt. And then we see the Roman and Greece empire come in, the Q gets rinsed and we start seeing C and K everywhere. And so I even believe some of the anything they call racist. I'm like, that's probably, it was a total lie. But I think even some of that, like the KKK, KKK, all the way across the Kardashians, it's like somehow like, if like a sigil, yeah, like we don't know the sigils well enough and we just think they're numbers and letters, but really there's some darker battle going on. We're like, ha ha ha, the K that they see everywhere. And like, uh, I don't know. It's really know. interesting what you said about the whole, um, 
splitting a personality, right? Uh, that there are higher levels of adrenochrome within uh, schizophrenic people. And I remember watching that movie split that you brought up a while ago. And by the way, excellent movie. Um, uh, James McAvoy, I believe is his so name. Good. Yeah. He's, it, uh, he's it was unbelievable. It's really terrifying. The, the, just the different personalities that he was and able to take. it's all real. On. That shit is real. Like where I could take on the personality and let's say I was a, you know, huge Hawaiian in my head where all of a sudden I could lift 250 pounds with my same body. And you're like, what? But that's what they really like where you take on a character of like, you're like, no, I'm a Romanian princess and you know how to play the piano in that character. And you've never taken a lesson before in your life. But that character knows how to play the piano. That is so like split. It's like where he's a mom sometimes and he's a monster sometimes like why People think that that's ridiculous. But, um, you know, you have to think about people who have head injuries and then suddenly they can play piano or they're fluent in another language that they've never learned before. We don't have a really good grasp of how the human mind works. Uh, and we think that we do. And you can trace it all down to like, well, this segment of the brain is responsible for this type of behavior. But then you have instances where people will damage a part of the mind or a part of the brain that's supposed to be responsible for like motor skills or language. And yet somehow it persists and they're able to operate still. And so, you know, it's funny because I constantly hear this like, oh, we know that this part is responsible for that. But then suddenly I'll hear, hear a story. A guy gets into a car accident, has the language uh, uh, section of his brain destroyed, survives the accident and can still speak, even though he shouldn't be able to. And in the movie Split, um, I think there's an opening monologue and I don't know that this is a fact. I never researched it. But what they try to at least convince you is a fact, which I wouldn't be surprised if there's cases of this, is that um, what you're saying, the attributes of the individual can change from one personality to the next in a schizophrenic, but also the blood type can change. And if that is true, we don't understand shit. I have a, an aunt who... Um, you know, on my show, we delve very much into the paranormal. I've had a lifetime of paranormal experiences that have informed my interests. And my I don't aunt, know if it's the actual blood type. I know it's just the adrenochrome levels for sure. I just want to correct that just in case. <laughs> right. Well, what I'm yeah. saying is the movie Split says yeah. that. And I don't oh, know that that's okay. real. Fuck. Okay. But that's part of the opening monologue is this idea that the blood types. And I don't know that that's real, but. I imagine that um, there's probably some anecdotal evidence for that or else they wouldn't have bought it up yeah. because they tried to say it as if it was fact. It was not um, a character saying it. It was the open narration of the movie. But uh, my aunt, who is uh, schizophrenic, she would have these really weird um, stories she would share with me when she was lucid about being visited by what she called the devil and, um, and that the devil had a, a scent. And that the scent was like, like sulfuric, rotten, putrid. And I always thought that my aunt was just like, just terrifying. That's all just kind of out of her mind and, and scary. Um, and then over time, I have. In my own experience, interviewed people and also listened to testimonies of people who have had experiences with paranormal entities you know, pick your variety, whether it's E.T. or a shadow person or some sort of demonic entity. And very often, even with Bigfoot, you will hear this um, sulfuric rotting smell associated with the entity. So once you start to collect enough of those, I'm all of a sudden looking at my aunt and I'm like, oh, shit, what the hell did you see? Like, you know what I mean? Because even though she's unstable and and by definition, uh, uh, paranoid schizophrenic, she's still 
describing something that people who are not schizophrenic describe. And once you have a body of evidence that's large enough, you have to start to consider that there's something there. And I think personally that there is something there. I don't know why they smell like sulfur or, or, or rotting, you know, uh, material, but my aunt has described that. So there's just, I say that just to say, especially in the realm of schizophrenia, we are very limited in our knowledge. Crazy, of it. what they call crazy and what they call insane. We just have to remember just a short time ago in the United States, they shut down all the quote unquote crazy houses. All those crazy houses were built by all the same quote unquote philanthropists that built our school systems and did these Rothschilds and Rockefellers and weird um, experiments. And when you look back into everything we found out about Jimmy Savile, he was going into not just child um, hospitals, but insane asylums. And we see all these insane asylums get shut down at the same time because they probably didn't need them anymore to do what they were up to. And so I think when you look at the 100 years before the insane asylum, that leans us right into the end of the world fairs, right into the Tatarian thing where we would have had all the orphan trains. So if our magic is in our quote unquote, junk DNA. So if you have any of the clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairaudient, and they know this about us, and they took all of us from different continents and moved us to different continents. So like, let's say we all got orphan trained at one time or all of our grandparents don't know how they got here. All of our great grandparents are just like, yep. And then I was in this country one day and they are like, maybe I was on a boat. Maybe I was on a train. Maybe I was on a, I don't know, maybe everybody got moved. And then the people that were magic or remembered, hey, there was this ancient antiquitech. There was big trees. There was giants. There was anyone that remembered stuff that would dragons. Maybe they were put in the insane asylum. Oh my God. I don't so like, I that's a just, terribly disturbing. Yeah. The uh, people we call crazy could actually be the people that if we were in ancient tribes, they might've been our medicine men and women. Right. Well, that's what we used to do with people. We used to say that they were uh, spiritually gifted and those were our spiritual leaders. Uh, and now we medicate them into oblivion. And it's like, we don't know how to treat it, but we do know one thing. The medication subdues that part of them. So it definitely seems like if you look at the results, right, um, it doesn't seem to be about correcting an imbalance as much as it's just subduction. And if there was something important there, if these people were, in fact, uh, typically spiritual leaders. And that's not good, right? Because we don't want spiritual leaders. We want big daddy government. That's who we depend on. We don't need spiritual leaders. We need mega churches. We need the government. We don't need individuals leading small communities uh, in a spiritual path. And so subduction is the name of the game. Can we mute those experiences within that individual and make them obsolete to the community, which is, if that's not the goal, it certainly still is the outcome. Uh, but Janie, I'm at the hour and a half mark and I should have told you at the top that I had a hard out, but this was, it was so fun. I'll hang out anytime. It was super I, fun and it flew by. I didn't even know an hour and a half already went by. Yeah. I totally want you back on because we haven't talked about Epstein. We haven't talked about Jimmy Seville. There's still so much left on the table, um, in regards to that era. And I would love to revisit that era again with you because, um, I don't know why I tricked myself into thinking that it was old news. And having <laughs> anytime you want to geek now, Hollywood, I'm in. <laughs> that is perfect. So Cheney, please one last time for the audience. Where can everybody find you? You can find all my links at projectcheney.com. That's C-H-A-N-E-Y. Cheney, it was awesome having you. Uh, to the audience, I just want to say um, 
by the time you hear this, it'll be a week dead without uh, the Ravens watch. Um, but we are still running Nephilim Death Squad. Uh, I just had to put the show on pause for a week so that I can start to get things out on a regular schedule. So Mondays are going to be for the Ravens watch. Uh, Wednesdays, Wednesdays are going to be for Nephilim Death Squad. Uh, Thursdays, I have something that I'm working on that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a short series, uh, but I want to keep it under wraps for you. But we're working on a lot of things. And um, one of the things that we recently rolled out was a new YouTube channel for Nephilim Death Squad, as well as a Twitter account for Nephilim Death Squad. So we're trying to funnel people over there and grow those pages so that we don't have to. Right now, my co-host Top Lobster and I are streaming on like eight different places at once. And we want to consolidate that and just make it Nephilim Death Squad. In order to do that, we got to grow those channels. So if you want to support the show, please go and follow us and subscribe there. Uh, Chaney, thank you so much for joining us. This was a genuine pleasure. And I'm not just uh, gassing you up when I say this was literally one of my favorite conversations and I can't wait to do it again. I'm mad that I only have an hour and a half and I really want to run it back soon. So thank you so much for your time, Chaney. And I look forward to doing it again. Thank you. Have a good night, Janie. Have a good night.